the Blue Bomber Podcast. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. My name is James Murphy. I played for the Blue Bombers from 1981 to 1991. Yesterday it was announced that Murphy would be enshrined into the Blue Bombers Ring of Honor. Yeah, three-time Grey Cup champion, CFL's most outstanding player in 1986. Murphy was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame back in 2000. And number 21 will become just the 15th individual to have his name unveiled inside Investors Group Field in the Ring of Honor. I caught up with James yesterday afternoon, Brett, and the first question, how did you find out about this? Greg, when I got the, the phone call for Bob Irvin at work, actually I missed his call. And I um, and when I checked my message, and uh, uh, I said, hey, Murph, it's Bob Irvin. Uh, give me a call. Um, I was like, oh boy, Bob Irvin phoned me. What could this be? In the back of my mind, I was thinking, but then I'm thinking, no, it just probably want to go play golf or something. So I phoned him back, and first thing he says was, uh, congratulations, Murph, uh, the media, and, and I'm on the media, and we have chosen you to be the next person for the Ring of Honor. And, and it was just one of those moments, right, where um, it just I was sort of lost of words. It was just fantastic, and it was just just a great news uh, to receive. And from that point on, it's just like I've, I've been walking around in the cloud, and and it's just it was a great uh, phone call, one one that um, kind of similar to the one that I got for going into the Hall of CFL Hall of Fame. When you get a call like that, does the whole career sort of flash before your eyes? Who are you thinking of first? Do you remember? The sort of things that were popping into your head? Absolutely. The first thing I thought of was all the coaches, all the players uh, that I played with, all the coaches that coached me, my mom, my, my dad, and all the people that really encouraged me. Uh, just so many different people just popping to, the, to, my, to my mind because something like this, nobody ever, and certainly not me, you know, could ever reach this, this height. And uh, without, you know, a, a lot of good people. And actually, it, it, it's, it's sort of a recognition for the people that have, uh, that, that I played with, you know, to be able to uh, reach those sort of three great cups, you know, MVP. Uh, you know, I need people to, to block for me. I need guys that, uh, you know, protect the quarterback, run. And, and we had a lot of those great people from Tom Clemens, John Huffnagel, Jeff Boyd, Joe Poplowski, Rick House. Fantastic, just offensively. And obviously, you have to have a great defense to be able to shut people down. And, and I was just lucky and fortunate. And uh, we, Greg, you and I have talked about this uh, a few times about the, those uh, eight, the years in the 80s. And I'm so just so fortunate and, and, and thankful and grateful to be able to have been a part of it. You talk about the great teammates, but I think that makes this even that more special because when you think of the great players that you did play with and to stand out above them, and I know you're not going to look at it that way, but to get, receive this recognition when others may not, I think is an extra feather in your cap. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And, but all credit to go to those guys. Now I realize the extra time, the extra work that I put in, and the off-season, the work that I put in, the, the, the concentration, becoming a student of the game finally pays off. 
it's a special feeling. And, and, but again, I, I think all the credit, you know, uh, I'm a very faithful guy. Faith, have strong faith. And I just believe that the energy that I was able to uh, be around in those locker rooms and those great cup teams just kind of elevated me to, uh, to be the best player that I can be. And, and, and I'm just so thankful that I had that opportunity to play with some special guys. And you're hearing the voice of James Murphy, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, Bomber legend. He is going to be the next person enshrined into the Blue Bombers ring of honor. And Greg, you can really hear how special this is uh, to James. You can hear it in his voice. I, safe to say, grateful for this honor? No question. Grinning ear to ear when I saw him yesterday and how happy he is is unmistakable. And you say special. Murph is a special person and his connection to Winnipeg and Blue Bomber fans is exactly that. This is a, a special place for a lot of players that are here for a time. and They move away and, and they'll come back for a visit once in a while. You've decided to make your home here. You've, you've become an integral part of the community. Talk about the connection with, with Winnipeg and the connection Winnipeg has with you. Well, it's it's just a special, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, at the beginning, you're not really sure. And uh, my second child was born here, so that kind of, you know, put some ties, really some connections for me. But then, you know, as the years go by and you receive so much love in the, in, the, in in the community you know people uh you know always uh you know pleasant to be around it just sort of it, it sort of just make you realize that this is a special place and not, and not only that you know Winnipeg is a place where basically I, I as an adult as an adult this is this is the only place the home that I really had after football was uh was over I mean, that was sort of unexpected. I wasn't really quite ready for that, but that's, that's the business or the nature of the game, and I understand that. I was sort of lost. I was sort of like, man, what am I going to do now? And I didn't really realize the transferable skills that I had learned, you know, playing professional football, being on time, you know, uh, being a professional uh, in, in your actions and ways and just uh, the hard work. And So I knew I had those skills, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And I, so I thought Winnipeg would be a great place to uh, maybe put those those transferable skills into action. And I got lucky and, and had a chance to uh, go into business with a buddy of mine at the Forks. Like, this is my home. I, it, it's just, as you know, it, it's just a, a special place. And I'm very lucky and fortunate to be able to still be here. It's hard to believe you played your last game 33 mm-hmm. years ago. It, it, like, for me... You know, I grew up watching you play and to see you in the community and to imagine that it's been over three decades, it's almost impossible. I know. I know. And you know what? I'm lucky. I'm lucky to even have you as a neighbor, just a couple of houses down the street. So we see each other and we talk about sports. We talk about football. So that sort of helped to me to be able to relive some of those, those moments. Because uh, well, not only you, but a lot of other people in the neighborhood and uh, in the community, right? They remember moments and oh yeah, oh I don't quite remember that, but yeah. <laughs> so so I, I think that's special. The memories that uh, last forever, and, and and I think that's so important and special for me to be able to know that I was able to create some special moments and memories for a whole lot of people. It's great to be able to have uh, uh, you know that opportunity to 
talk about football. Uh, like you said, 33 years, it has been a long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, last night uh, I was watching the first game that I ever played in 1982. And then I look at all the great players that was here before I got here. So I have to give uh, pay tribute to those guys that, uh, you know, paid the way for me. And when I looked at that game last night, 1982 semifinal against Calgary, a game where we ended up winning and going to play in the Western final. From then to now, I can't believe, you know, just what, what it just transpired and going into the ring of honor. James Murphy going into the Blue Bomber Ring of Honor. Are you old enough to remember James Murphy in the CFL, Derek? I remember him. Like, I remember him playing. I would have been. Uh, I would have been an Edmonton Elks fan at the time, but uh, so I remember him a little bit. But I wouldn't have anything, any memories that I would pull out about him other than didn't he run the fish and chips joint at the Forks? Well done, Dockside Twenty One back in the day. Well played. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, great to see someone like Murph who has uh, decided to call Winnipeg home get this honor. I mean, his on-field accomplishments speak for themselves, but that extra level of community commitment and connection to the community, do, do you think it plays a role in the Blue Bombers deciding on who goes into that ring? I I don't know. I think, what, 9,000 receiving yards probably deserves it on its own. Um, I wonder, because... There's also the Blue Bomber Hall of Fame, right, that Medlock's going into. I wonder what, how they delineate the two. Well, when you're talking, uh, what, we're going to be 1930, 2030 minus 7. This is now you have an insight into how I do my math. A 93-year history of the Winnipeg Football Club, only 15 names. You know you've had to have some yeah. serious impact in order to, to get that call that, that Murphy got a couple of weeks ago from Bob Irving. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Bob with forty-seven years, and guys like Doug Brown, you know, the, you know, guys like Kalaris and Jefferson are kind of destined for for an honor of that level. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's that's pretty special. That's pretty great to know that uh, that uh, Murph will get that. You mentioned Kalaros, you mentioned uh, Jefferson, Willie Jefferson on the defensive side of the ball, and Zach Kalaros on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, impactful players in the Blue Bombers' big win over BC last week. What do you think was the difference? We discussed in the pregame show how that offensive line was really going to have to hold the BC defensive line at bay. Was that the difference in the game? I, to me, that was 100% the difference in the game. We spent in the two-hour pregame show plus the seven-minute preamble, we, we probably spent 35 minutes talking about uh, Winnipeg's offensive line and BC's defensive line. And what will they do with Matthew Betts? How can they control this? How are they going to do it? And it, and it just seemed like they just went, okay, we're going to bash these guys, and that's going to be it. It wasn't – they didn't establish the run. They didn't do anything like that. They just, you know what, man for man, appeared to hold BC off, which – a change that stark in, in from one game to the next always it always catches me off like what's what's happening here if if it was just we we worked better well why why weren't you working well six weeks ago what what was happening there it was it's just so strange that seven sacks the first time Kolaris had been sacked more than five times as a bomber in that first game against BC and then zero and uh, like virtually zero pressure it felt like in in this second game I. Yeah, it just it just there wasn't anything schematically that we we saw. There wasn't a lot of sixth offensive linemen. There wasn't a lot of blocking fullback. There wasn't a lot of max protection that I remember. It just seemed like 
yeah, these are five, you're four, and yes, yeah, let's go at it. And oh, by the way, we absolutely dominated you this time. It was, it just, the change is so strange. Do we put anything, do we attribute this to BC on essentially four days in between game days and the Blue Bombers yeah. coming off a bye? Do we put, is that at all responsible for what we saw last Thursday at IG Field? I would think it, it certainly factors in, right? Was it 13 days rest versus four days rest? I know which one I would rather be. And I don't, uh, I don't know anything about playing in a pro football game, but I would know. I know I would rather have more rest than less rest, like less than a full week's worth of rest versus they had the bye week. I think that absolutely has to make a, I mean, I would expect, you know, especially as you get toward the late third and fourth quarter would be, if you could test it out, I suspect where the, where the impact would be its highest. Um, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely think that that's the bye, which is why when we were talking in the post game show, I was saying when I try to evaluate the October 6th matchup, the third matchup between the two teams, I'm going to re- force myself to remember that BC was on four days rest for this game because they looked bad. They looked so bad on a bunch of levels that I, I just have to believe it contributed. So let's, you know, is there anything else that we should be talking about that had, hasn't already been discussed as it pertains to the, the to the game last week, I mean the Blue Bomber defense. I think you could say look like the defense of of old. At least I would put it that way. However, there's a huge caveat, and that's who was playing quarterback for the BC Lions. We knew Dane Evans was shakable. We knew that Evans could be got to, and that you could get inside his head. And then you throw in the fact that. He got injured late in that first half and wasn't. I don't. I don't think we saw him again. Uh, it, that changes things definitely, does it not? Yeah, I, it absolutely does. Um, to me, I, I was trying to think of it after the game. Would Vernon Adams have made a difference in this game? And you know, the the thing I come to, Vernon doesn't isn't used in the run game like maybe he used to. He is. He isn't. Uh, a scrambler for yards, you know, as much as he used to be. Uh, but he's 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 very comfortable. He seems much more comfortable, let's say, than Dane under pressure. And that's that to me is a big deal. Like when the, on the first play of the game, Willie Jefferson comes right down Main Street and smacks Dane Evans. He went, oh, okay, there's the moment. How's Dane going to bounce back? And the answer was, well, not not amazing. And eventually, he gets hurt because. Man, Big Hill laid a lick on him as well. It's it, Vernon could have dealt with the pressure a little better in my mind, but then Vernon comes with his own own issues as well as you know lack of accuracy and things like that. So I, I just don't think that it would make that much of a difference. And if Vernon Adams is healthy for the third game, I, I don't I don't think that means that we're necessarily rewinding to what the week three game was because that seemed to be a special combination of. Wow, the offense is really getting these receivers open, and the defense is absolutely on fire uh, in maybe the best game that they'll play all season long. So, yeah, I, I think BC would have been closer, but I, I just don't think there's any kind of 
I don't think it would have been substantially different. Let's say that. Well, I think Blue Bomber fans w- would sing the song happily over the past few years, even though he left Winnipeg for BC. You know, Lucky Whitehead, I only have eyes for you. <laughs> Dane Evans basically only had eyes for, for Lucky Whitehead in that first half. I think he was the only receiver to catch uh, more than one pass from Evans. And and I think that would be dramatically different as well. I think that would be dramatically different with Adams in there as well. Yeah, there would certainly be some some things going better for for BC if they got to use their number one instead of their number two. But, I mean, the reason they got Dane was that there wasn't, if something happened to Vernon, there wouldn't be an enormous drop-off. It did not go real well for for him in that game. And, uh, yeah, it just... Uh, Winnipeg was just was too much, and we. You, I think you and I have talked about my perception of Vernon Adams. I, I don't think he's you know what he was before the six interception game. I don't think he's what he is in the six interception game. But I just he, he was the BC offense was outperforming its quarterback to me in in the first few weeks. So um, yeah, for the for the rematch, I wouldn't expect it to be. Like it would not like the the difference between uh, an all you know an all CFL quarterback and a and a total backup. There wouldn't be that. Yeah, it's not going to be so. Trying to be very careful because I don't want to I don't want to shame Vernon Adams too much when he's having a good season. And that's fair. So let's shift gears and let's look ahead to the game Thursday night in Edmonton. The Elks looking to break their dreadful 21 home game losing streak against a team that uh, all of a sudden knows how to win at Commonwealth Stadium. They went almost a decade in between victories there. That's a, a long time ago now, Derek. But for the second week in a row, the Blue Bombers are playing a team that they've seen already this year. And for the second week in a row, it will be a different quarter quarterback at the helm for the team versus the quarterback that they saw first time round. Yeah, they're going to get Trey Ford this week instead of Taylor Cornelius. And it kind of, you kind of wonder, well, how much worse can it be than what Taylor Cornelius was showing in that, in that first game? I, I fear for Trey Ford's life a little bit because, Hey, welcome to uh, your first start of 2023. And here's Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. So, uh, cover your cover your head and uh, get out of the way. It's it's an interesting challenge, right? Because the Bombers have seen some Trey Ford. They saw him in the preseason in 22, and they got a sense of, oh, man, this, this guy could scramble. Woo! Look at him go. He was so fast in that game. And, you know, the other, the other stuff a quarterback needs to be will, will have to come along and – the reports out of Edmonton, you know, Chris Jones saying he needs to work harder in practice. That's not super encouraging, but he he possesses in a way that Dustin Crum was this unknown in the Ottawa game. Trey Ford is is kind of an unknown in this Edmonton game, and we saw, and I'm trying to forget, as I suspect you are too, G Mac, trying to forget the Ottawa game because of how it ultimately resulted. And yeah, I just. When I look at the rest of it, I go, okay, the Bombers, position for position, are better than the Elks, and then the quarterback thing. Uh, this should be this should be comfortable if if you know if you can be comfortable against a, a Chris Jones team with how they you know are definitely trying to make you uncomfortable. But the Trey Ford element provides a little drama, let's say. 
What else that concerns you? Is there anything that concerns you going into Edmonton? Uh, the potential letdown after that big win last week would be at the top of my concern. You know, we got this job done, and then you go into a situation where you might be forgiven for taking a team likely, uh, lightly, but I don't think uh, Mike O'Shea and the coaching staff are going to allow that. Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. You saw me at halftime of the Bombers' first game against Edmonton, right, when it was 6-6 coming off the game in Ottawa, and I was very, not quite nervous, but just uncomfortable with what's, what's happening here. Why is this game 6-6? What? Sergio just missed a field goal. What's, why don't they have 30 points? What's going on? <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's, there's just that that's, uh, that's kind of uh, lingering for me. And, and I mean, Jones, Jones' defense is not like a lot of other defenses in this league with, you know, the athletes he, he gets and the scheme that he runs. So, that can that can have some issues. Eventually, the Bombers were able to pull that one and out and you know run away with that one to an extent. Uh, but yeah, just the the uncomfortability that uh, that I felt at the halftime of that game gives me pause going into this game. Is that the benefit then potentially, uh, Derek, that the Bombers didn't play their very best? At- in particular in that first half, July 20th, at home against Edmonton. Is that the wake-up call? Hopefully they don't need to see, see or get a wake-up call in the first half Thursday night. I would, I would certainly hope so. Because, yeah, you, you, uh, to me, you can't really watch those two teams and, and think that, you know, everything that goes into a team, that these two teams should be even close. Record-wise, maybe is the best example of 6-2 and two versus 0-8, oh these two teams. This should be an absolute mauling. Just walk in, you know, wipe your feet all over the carpet of their house and just walk out, right? But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's never – it just never seems to be that easy. When I think a team is going to wax – when I think the Bombers are going to absolutely wax somebody, I'm generally not correct. And when I think I don't know what's going to happen, they hang 50 on the BC Lions. So, yeah, I it, it never kind of ends up – when I see the Bombers are a 13-point favorite, I go, okay, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be 13. It could be 50, but I'm, I, just don't, I just don't know because games like that can be weird. I have my ears plugged that entire segment, so I have no idea what you said when you started going down a certain row. I did not want to know what you were saying. The 50 – Things could uh, could keep going up. Let the, the good times roll, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Final score from IG Field. Can I get everybody? Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 50! And the BC Lions, 14. By the way, the listeners loved your 50. We played the heck out of it on Friday. Kevin Bergen played the heck out of it on Saturday as well on the weekend wake-up show. So uh, I think that's a sound effect button on several shows already. I have to make sure that I get that in a couple of times uh, this week. 50! After an all-too-long absence from the Blue Bomber podcast, we welcome back Skylar Peters. Hello. What's going on, Skylar P? Good to be here, man. Missed the film room last week. uh, What's the dealio? I was down with the sickness, but uh, the good news is it was a big match of years gone by between uh, the Blue Bombers and the Lions, and we have a rubber match, obviously, coming up October 6th. Oh, so you're saying you have one so in the it, chamber. It's uh, Yeah, it's about half cooked, and I'm uh, I'm ready to, to pull out all the stops for that one. So, Well, I don't know it. anybody uh, pre-cooking their Thanksgiving turkey this far in advance, but that is Thanksgiving weekend, so mm-hmm. you're setting some sort of yeah, record Yeah, the cost there. of preparation 
patient, man. It uh, pays to be ready in this business. <laughs> uh, what do they say about luck? It's where opportunity and preparation meet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, sure. You're due for some luck. Yeah. Well, I was the guy that was sick all last week, so yeah, we'll, we'll see about hey, that. It happens to the best of us. Uh, Canadian Football League over the weekend, some entertaining games. The Blue Bombers clearly putting the boots to the BC Lions Thursday night. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. No. I was uh, predicting like a one-score game for sure. I did think Winnipeg was going to get the better of them because that week three loss was just such an anomaly but uh man that was that was crazy i was really choked i was taking it in horizontally from my couch instead of vertically at the south end zone but uh hey you gotta do what you gotta do uh that was uh, so impressive by the guys up front uh, especially the tackle stanley bryant jamarcus hardrick i think a lot of people were uh starting to wonder if father time was knocking on the door for several players on this team obviously but i think um those are the two guys that i would think that you know the the questions start with when it comes to age uh, and they got exposed in week three and Matthew Betts exposed them for four sacks or whatever he had the team had seven and then they turned that into zero uh, on Thursday night that was just so impressive I mean they like completely neutralized the pass rush um, for British Columbia and uh, obviously the guys in the back end and their secondary uh, couldn't do much in terms of coverage when you give Zach Caleros that much time and and a generally clean pocket he had to scramble a couple of times and, and <laughs> he had that one response he ended up throwing the ball away uh, to his left. Uh, I think it was a second down in BC's territory in the second half. And he uh, he was doing his best uh, 2019 Zach Caleros against Calgary season finale impression uh, with a couple of spin moves. And I thought he was going to make something crazy happen. But that was really the only time where I'm like, oh, they're really chasing down number eight today. And that was it. So, uh, so impressive by those guys up front. When Zach is on the run and throwing on the run, you want that to be by design. Yeah. And he had a couple of those too. Of course. Mm-hmm. And because he does it so well and yeah. Derek Taylor will will tell you nobody does it better than than he does and it's not your eye it's not your imagination there are numbers to back that up so the Blue Bombers move into that first place tie now with BC you mentioned uh, game three the rubber match it'll decide the season series October 6th in in British Columbia, it's going to be a huge game. Lots of uh, chit-chat about people making their way to Vancouver for the Thanksgiving long weekend so that they can take in that game. But there were several other games this weekend in the Canadian Football League, including the Toronto Argonauts, who are no longer undefeated. Calgary Stampeders, I would say, with the surprise of the weekend. Yeah, the, the torch may be passed in like the overall CFL hierarchy back to Winnipeg, I think. They were obviously so dominant, and then the very next night uh, the first chink in the armor for the Argos. Uh, I I feel a bit bad for Toronto there because Chad Kelly gets popped and he clearly wasn't right. And then he you know leaves the game at halftime and doesn't come back. And it's some guy I've literally never heard of. Um, like only the Derek Taylors of the CFL like know who that backup quarterback is for Toronto. And he came from Arena Football. I'm like, man, you have no chance. Like I know this isn't Calgary that we're used to. Um, the you know the days have they've gone by for them a little bit for sure. But uh, I would have liked to see what they could do with with Chad Kelly healthy, you know, all season long. Hopefully he gets back uh, and gets right for them because uh, they're a powerhouse in the East right now for sure. And I'd love to see a great cup rematch between these two clubs. But uh, yeah, I don't I'm not going to write off Toronto just because of that one loss for sure. But it is I I do think Winnipeg's rightly kind of at the top of the heap right now after uh, after Friday night, those two days. Uh, Montreal goes in and beats Hamilton. Probably most of us were expecting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the game that drove me crazy, because you know how much I love the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> you know how much I love Saskatchewan and the fact that they were able to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat 
didn't make me really happy, especially when you consider Ottawa's on the three, Ottawa's third down and goal from the one, and they kicked the eight yard field goal. How did you feel about that one? Oh, that was that was tough. I think in the uh, in the Grey Cup, I can't remember Hamilton's kicker when we were there in, in 2022, uh, 21, excuse me, um, but they had a 13-yarder they almost missed from the left hash. It was terribly windy that night, um, and I remember that being like a whole moment, you know, and you could kind of hear the crowd audibly, which which was obviously pro-Hamilton being in there, um, was, you know, a little bit surprised that that came that close. So nothing's a guarantee, but eight yards, I mean... You're more worried about getting it vertical than you know sure. trying to keep it through the uprights at that point. I, it, yeah, but I, what do you think of the decision to not? I don't know. Go for I actually I, now I'm thinking about. I didn't really. You didn't question it at the time. No, I like it. Just seemed like you, you know you get with, the go ahead points and you move on with life and trust your defense. Yeah, yeah. I suppose not, not that it's the strongest but defense if, in the okay, world. Okay, but, but here, here, so here's the counter argument to that. Even though I, I don't even think I gave you a chance to defend the idea no, of fine. going of going for the three, if you do trust your defense, why on earth wouldn't you trust them? If something happens, you don't get that third and one. Why wouldn't you trust them to get the ball back? Why well, just what, what was there? Fifty seconds left. Fifty eight seconds left. Well, they ended up get, still ended up getting the ball back. Well, yeah. Right. After, then, but, after Saskatchewan gets the gets the go ahead field goal, Ottawa still gets the ball back. I know, I know what side Derek Taylor is going to be on in, in this when you have a conversation with him in a couple of minutes for sure. But like, you don't know if you're going to. Not saying you have to get down to the eight. No. But, how about just score the touchdown right. from third and one? How about right. you do that? And okay, so say you don't. You, you mm-hmm. trust your defense. Great, they get right. you the ball back. You don't know you're going to get into scoring position again. So I, I think to take Which the points, all the more reason says to me get the touchdown. Yeah. You know, Salt it away. I, I just think you, you get. You take a lead. It's a lead change, obviously, um, and you can trust your guys to hang on. But also, what what did uh, they end up kicking that field goal from? Like fifty three, right? I think. So it's not like they have to go all the way down to the eight themselves, right? Like um, it was a good job of taking the time, and, and you know they well, they, they chewed up to... enough clock. But you get to the eight, you make that choice, and you, and now you got to make your bed. Unfortunately, strange, strange coaching decisions in these days of the Canadian Football League. I heard the commentators questioning. The wisdom of Bobby Dice taking a timeout when he did when Saskatchewan had the ball and to save it for when you have the ball. Uh, anybody that was also questioning the wisdom of the commentators at the time, you, I have your back <laughs> because you use your you use your timeouts on defense because you can control the clock, clock in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, more so when you than have you can the ball. when you have yeah. the ball in terms of uh, you know an incomplete pass getting out of bounds that sort of thing. So, I didn't uh, I didn't hear that at the time actually, so I didn't even know that was a concept. Oh, that yeah. just makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah of course it yeah. totally made sense. I, I don't know what they were thinking. So the Blue Bombers uh, when those um, those weak link power rankings come out. You suspect the Bombers will uh, jump I, ahead of Toronto and into first place on I that? I think the CFL one, I'll load this up as we're chatting. I'm pretty you sure. You think it might be out already? I think it came out yesterday. Oh, well, it was a holiday, so I was doing my best to ignore no, all I don't, things. I don't blame you. Um, X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, it never sleeps oh, for me. X. I seem to always be on the yeah, dang well, thing. Well, I so. usually do. Uh, yeah, but. Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, CFL says kept it nice and warm for you at Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're one, <laughs> Toronto two, BC three, Montreal, Calgary, Saskatchewan. Nobody cares after that. Yeah, really, they don't. Although Blue Bomber fans are going to care should the unthinkable happen Thursday night at Commonwealth. <laughs> 
I, I have spoken it uh, to a couple of my uh, colleagues at uh, another workplace that are big Blue Bomber fans. Like, you just put 50 up on this defense that everyone's raving about. Now you go to Edmonton, and here's this big streak on the line for the home team, and they have absolutely nothing to lose. And, uh, you know, Trey Ford's going <laughs> to start, and... It's. I think it, it's almost scarier that you that he's starting because, because you don't unpro- know. exactly yeah. because uh, you don't know what you're going to get with him. Obviously, he's going to run the ball a lot um, in terms of his his accuracy passing. I think that remains to be seen. But really, the job's just on the the Jackson Jeff Coats and, and Willie Jeffersons and Bennett's and all these guys up front to just to just give him misery and not give him a whole lot of time to make some decisions or space to do it on his own if that's the decision he makes. So I'm I'm actually kind of excited to like. This is a guy you invested a was it a third or second overall pick in Trey Ford two years ago. Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, a top case, okay, so top three pick, and um, you haven't like you know you go with Taylor Cornelius, you signed to this gaudy extension last year, and it just looked bad the moment they signed it, and here we are, he's third on your depth chart all of a sudden, and you know the coaching is what it is. Like just let this guy turn him loose. What has he not shown you? Um, to not get this opportunity like is he that bad in practice like is he missing guys and you know throwing interceptions all over the place I doubt it um, so I'm happy Chris Jones is finally going to this guy for for the sake of the Elks um, it, it will present a different type of challenge for the Bombers I think this week but it's not I'm not going to lose sleep Wednesday night thinking about Trey Ford well hopefully the Blue Bombers do <laughs> lose some sleep and that they don't think take things lightly because strange things this is something I've been saying for years now. Strange things happen on the way to coronations, mini coronations, and predetermining the outcome of any sporting event is a dangerous thing, but particularly in the CFL, and I don't care which two teams are involved. If you... if. I told you right now the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would go two and one uh, heading into Saskatchewan for the Labor Day Classic um, with their next three games. They're at uh, Calgary, which is actually a game I'll be attending at McMahon. First time ever for me. I'm excited for that. And then uh, back home to the Alouettes the next Thursday. Um, If I told you right now they go two and one, you know, not saying who they beat and who they lose to. Are you really concerned? Saying like you know everyone's healthy, number eight still I, healthy, all that. I hear what you're saying. Uh, well, obviously, everyone wants him to go three and zero. No, of course, and I I hear exactly what you're saying. And I think if you divide the season into into uh, six three game chunks, yeah. two and one for this team, no, it's not good enough because that works out to a twelve and six record. And I think I think we're expecting a little bit more than that. The game not to lose was the game against PC. If you have yeah. to pick one. Well, because that means more than just one win or one loss, right? Because it's going to come down to how they play against each other, most likely. And you're just, you're not hosting that West Final if you lose that game. Yeah. And how much of a difference did that make last year? It makes a difference every year in terms of uh, getting to the Grey Cup, et cetera, et cetera. So when we we look at uh, the game that you can recover from in terms of gaining that win back in the standings, any one of these are a better game to lose, to put it in, yeah. a, in, in that way, than to lose to BC. They won the game they had to win. If they have to lose one this before coming up before Labor Day, I, I, I guess it doesn't re- really matter which one. Yeah, I, I don't think you want it to be <laughs> Edmonton snapping a two-year-long home winning streak. I can't believe we're even discussing this out loud. <laughs> but this is the nature of being a sports fan overall, but in particular a Winnipeg sports fan, because... Just when you think, just when you think you've got it all figured out, the home team, last 
three seasons aside, will do something to make you go, oh, I thought we had this. We, we yeah. I thought we had them figured out. Mm, not and it, so fast. I'm not trying to. I mean, they won 50 to 14 last week. Like I'm well aware. I'm not on a team that played. You know, five days previous. Yeah, well, they coming. The they're also calling author. themselves the Donut Boys or and whatever. And there was a there was a zero on that scoreboard after a five. But anyway, uh, also <laughs> sorry guys, but uh, Vernon Adams doesn't play defensive end or cornerback. Like I don't. You could have put up forty eight with Vernon Adams. You still would have lost the football game. So um, anyway, that's my little rant for the the BC fans in my ear. The last like week and a half. Uh, I yeah. I mean. Was it uh, a year ago this week or last week was the Legio missed kicks and the loss to Montreal, Montreal at home? Yep. And they were 8-0 at the time, I believe. And, um, I mean, this is a Bombers team that prepares to go 1-0 and every week, and they have with this regime for a long time. But these things are still going to happen. It's a long regular season. And a lot of people would say the regular season, I'm holding up my uh, air quotes here, hasn't really started. That starts uh, the next long weekend on our schedule. So. I think no. I think they're in great shape, and and I think Bomber fans uh, should be uh, really pleased with how everything went down on Thursday and how everything kind of fell around the league after that too. Now you get to sit back and watch, and you know hope they do the job that they're uh, everyone's expecting them to do on Thursday. Yeah, I think part of this is that um, we needed something to talk about for a few minutes, and we managed to do that. Skylar Peters, we look forward to the return of the film room on Thursday night. Any hints? Uh, Buck Pierce is involved and not holding a clipboard. That's all I'll say. Skylar Peters, you'll hear him on 680 CJOB, not only uh, delivering the news for uh, global news throughout the week, Monday through Friday, but also, of course, part of our Blue Bomber coverage team. Skylar, thanks for this, my friend. Always a pleasure. Anytime you need me to fill some air, just give me a call. All right, some bonus uh, outside of Winnipeg CFL questions real quick. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, top of the power rankings, deserved or undeserved? Um, not undeserved, let's say that. I don't, I'm not sure that a one-loss Toronto team does, needs to be off of the top spot because they've been really nice. Uh, if, if, if Chad Kelly is out for any length of time, I would get it. If you told me Kelly was out for the rest of the year, yeah, Toronto should not be the number one team in the CFL, but they've only lost one time. And okay, the the now three and what is it, three and five Calgary Stampeders, but the Bombers lost to uh, Ottawa. So what do you what do you do with that? I, I think I would have Toronto one, uh, Winnipeg two, uh, and then BC in third. But uh, I I can understand the the reverse of it. But yeah, it it seems like jumping off the Toronto bandwagon pretty quick. I think you'd have a lot more conversation around these power rankings if you would have left Toronto in place, even though they probably deserve that, if that makes any sense, because Blue Bomber fans are going to be, you're going to move, you're going to keep Toronto where they are in a week when they lose, and you're going to keep Winnipeg where they are on a week when they beat the second or third best team, depending on how you're looking at it. So I think it would have been more entertaining if they would have kept Toronto at number one, but I think they probably deserve to be there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with. Yeah, it's just they've only lost one time. They're still the best record in the Canadian Football League, and yeah, if Chad Kelly's healthy, they're still a really good team. Ottawa, the Saskatchewan, the battle of the Rough Riders and the Rough Riders. I'm a big fan of Kahari Jones. I love Bobby Dice. 
why are you not going for a touchdown on third and one? And even if you don't get it, if you trust your defense at all, and by kicking a field goal, you're suggesting you trust your defense in the circumstance. Yeah. What were they thinking? Uh, play it safe, take the lead, and hope and trust your defense and special teams. the The thing is. I would have liked the. I would have been okay with the field goal there if it was a tie game and that made it a three point game, because Saskatchewan is not going to play for the touchdown in that situation on their verse. They're going to play for the field goal. They're just naturally going to be less aggressive. So the you know you'd think as Ottawa, your worst case scenario is okay. They're going to drive and get the get the field goal and we'll go to overtime. But third and goal from the one with that much time left on the clock. Not fumble. If you don't fumble the football, you're going to get the touchdown and take a nice lead, or you're going to get stopped. And Mason Fine-led offense will be first and ten from its own one-yard line. And just think about what's going to happen there. Well, they're going to quarterback sneak it, or try, they're going to quarterback sneak it to try to get a little breathing room and, and waste some time. Or they're going to run it with Jamal Morrow, who hasn't run the ball real well in this game, and you're ready for the run. Okay. So now it's second and nine from the two, second and eight from the three. They're, they might, are they going to throw a pass or are they just going to try to keep the clock running? Well, they're probably going to have to throw a pass, so you're ready for that. And if you stop them, you're immediately in Lewis Ward field goal range. Immediately, if not better. So to me, I just, you can't, if a field goal can, if a field goal from the other team can beat you after you score, the score to me isn't isn't worth a whole lot, and it that's how it played out for the Ottawa Red Blacks. It was unfortunate, but just with a coach who's been so aggressive on his third downs, man, he was going for every third down against the Bombers a few weeks previous. To pass on that one third and goal from the one, and a safety would have tied the game if their defense had gotten a safety. I just I I cannot agree with that call at all. Yeah, I don't agree with it either, and I don't know why coaches. Coach differently when all of a sudden you're sort of back in the hunt. You know, I think maybe Bobby Dice might have been guilty or might have been doing the right thing because he felt as though he didn't have a lot to lose. And so now in that circumstance, I feel like you're playing not to lose versus doing what you can and what you're supposed to do to win the game. And that might be cliche, but that's the way it felt. It's like, Oh, well, we're back in this thing we're, and I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the season overall. We sort of climbed our way back into the conversation for a playoff spot. So we don't want to blow that. You blew it by, by making the, the less obvious, the less practical, the less efficient, the, the least efficient choice. Yeah, and and there's something to be said for we'll we'll often get uh, when we talk to coaches we'll often get well the context of the game blah 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 is why we made this decision. Um, the context of your your smacking I mean you just got the ball at the twenty and your offense is going pretty good you know thirteen yard carry a couple of carries like you you're getting things going good here you just had a five yard rush to the one yard line. Why, why don't why don't you believe? Why don't you believe it in what's been been happening as as of late in the, in this game or in the most recent part of this game? You, your offense isn't isn't bad at all. Like just just roll with it. Jackson Bennett had run the ball real well. Why can't why don't you believe your offensive line can get one more yard? Trust your offense needs to be a thing too. And then how they define trust your we we trust our defense. Because either way they need to get a stop right. 
They needed their defense to get a stop either way, whether they kicked that field goal or not. Exactly. So you might as well get it in the Saskatchewan end of the field versus what they ultimately ended up having to do. And that was to scrimmage the ball on their own side of center field. Like, I just feel like you weren't thinking two series ahead. You were just thinking about things in the moment. Oh, okay, well, we have the lead. But you're not thinking about all the other things that could have happened. It just feels like an odd choice. And I don't want to hammer on Bobby Dice or Kahari Jones, whoever ultimately made that decision. It just just feels goofy to me that that you're going to trust your defense anyway. You might as well trust them on the opposition one-yard line if the worst possible thing goes, goes down. DT, we're going to let you run a short turnaround again this week for the podcast. Short turnaround for you in terms of getting out to Edmonton. Can't wait for the call. A little bit of a later game for us here in Winnipeg, 8 o'clock kickoff, 6 o'clock pregame? Exactly, yeah, with uh, Ed Tate and Christian Amell and myself. Uh, Doug Brown's taking a bye week this week, a well-deserved bye week for Doug Brown, so we'll have uh, all the coverage in advance of, uh, of the game, and yeah, it's uh, no less important than, the, well, okay, a little less important than the BC game because that would have been the end of the season, but no less important to go 1-0 this week than it was the, the previous week. Let's take a pause, and uh, we'll take a quick look at uh, fantasy. I did much better this week, but of course it was because uh, the known quantities did nothing for me this past week. We'll get into that in a moment. I don't care what the cost is. Nick Dembski. Kalaus for Dembski! The five and a touchdown! Dylan Mitchell's going to get one on Winston Rose. Going deep for Mitchell on Rose. Got in the 20, and he's going to walk into the end zone. You know what I've learned about CFL fantasy football is that it makes me hate players. Kamar Jordan, I don't know anything about him, but I hate him now. Quick look at fantasy. I did much better this week. I moved up substantially in the overall standings. I think it was comfortably at about 8,000th or 7,000th, and I'm up around 4,700. And that's almost exclusively on the back, on the hands of Kenny Lawler. We didn't talk about him in our previous segment because I really wanted to talk about Kenny Lawler in this fantasy segment, not because I was more thrilled with what he did for me personally in fantasy. It just highlighted exactly why the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Edmonton Elks two seasons ago put a premium on this individual because he is spectacular when he is on his game. It was unbelievable. 200 yards. And a touchdown as well. It was just, and it was only ten grand in fantasy. Oh, boom! That was the pick everybody needed to have. Uh, it was, it, it was just incredible. And you know, going forward, you know, his his price is going to go up and la la. But you just watch that game and went, man, he stride for stride with a guy over the middle. And Kalara says, "Yeah, I'm going to throw that ball anyway, even though the defender, I think it was Sales, is right on him." Oh, they, uh, he's uh, ba- uh, along the sideline with Jalen Edwards Cooper on his back. I'm going to throw him this ball anyway. Is I'm under pressure and I got to get rid of it, and that's Kenny Lawler. Uh, it's it, he's it feels like Kenny's going to get his targets and he's going to get valuable targets all season long. In what uh, I mean, look now is you know this is the best receiving core in the CFL that the Bombers have. So it it looks like it's going to be pretty good, and you're going to have a you're going to have some fantasy success if you choose Bombers. Any other players that you're looking at? I know you like to see those uh, mismatch matchups in order to uh, to find some bargains on fantasy. Yeah, it'd be to pick the Bombers this week, right? Um, the Bombers defense, uh, we'll see what their price is uh, as they put those out. 
the Bombers' defense against a young quarterback that just smells like sacks and interceptions and, and things like that. You know, if you, I suspect Trey Ford, honestly, I suspect Trey Ford is a, uh, it will be kind of a bargain, a $5,000 quarterback. If you think that he can pull out a bunch of running yards, you might be able to uh, load up in some other areas, right? You, you take, a, take a Trey Ford, pretend he runs for 70 yards. Okay, we've gotten some points and he's got some passing yards. And then you can take a, a Lawler and a Schoen, for example. You can, you can do a kind of a reverse stack thing in, in that vein. I would be watching for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, I've watched for the Ottawa Red Blacks Toronto game because Chad Kelly's status is in doubt in that game. Is it Cameron Dukes? And what do you think Cameron Dukes might do on a week's rest? Because he will be dirt cheap as well. Or conversely, Ottawa would have the ball more and maybe it's time for Dustin Crumb's been not a great fantasy option the last couple of weeks, but uh, let's look at that. And then uh, they've got to be able to get up the schneid as far as their receivers go. So does just well, I was going to say you pick an Ottawa receiver, but even without their quarterback, that Toronto defense is fantastic. So maybe I dodge Ottawa and look for, and just search for some quarterback value might be the way to uh, the way I approach this week. All right, DT, thanks for this. Thanks, brother. So that's it. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and share the Blue Bomber podcast. And also, in case you didn't already know, Monday nights coaches show with Derek Taylor and Mike O'Shea will be automatically uploaded to the Blue Bomber podcast. So if you want to catch a rerun of that or catch it and listen to it at your leisure, you can do so by subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast. We will recap this week's game next week and look ahead in the Canadian Football League, focusing on, of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Thank you for spending some time with us. 